Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford FC. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me today is football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Burdell. And Watford won yesterday away from home again against a decent Cardiff side that have been in good form since Mick McCarthy took over. Uh, but that performance in particular was really good to see, Jordan, especially after Watford went 1-0 down. Yeah, I think that's really when we saw the the change in performances after we went one nil down. I thought beforehand, I thought we kind of struggled quite a lot. Um, kind of talking about in the build up to the game, saying how one of the things we wanted to avoid was that that trap of, of playing into Cardiff's hands by kind of avoiding the midfield, which they're going to try and make you do by getting numbers in there and, and pressing you and pushing you off the ball early, making it difficult and, and getting caught, just kind of going down that out, outside, down the wings. And Cardiff are quite good at stopping that. And I think at first, I thought we'd maybe been a little bit too too reactive and, and playing playing two Cardiff strengths. Um, after that first goal went in, um, I feel like that did change the complexion of the game. We kind of started to get into it a little bit more and then we started to control control the ball and we, we looked a lot better from there on. Um, so it wasn't the best performance overall, but I thought the way we reacted to, the, uh, to that early own goal was quite positive. Yeah, Cardiff obviously scored first, but it wasn't them that, that technically scored. It was an own goal. Sherelta, uh he had to try and get something on it, didn't he, really? But... Um, it, I think nine times out of ten, he probably diverts that for a corner, but he just didn't get his foot around it enough, Tom. Yeah, he was a bit unlucky, wasn't he? Because the mistake had already been made at that point, not by him, but he was just left in a position where he knew he had to try to intervene because it was was a great ball, to be fair, wasn't it? But it was going straight into the feet of Kiefer Moore. Great forwards at this level. He was was just going to gobble that up. Um, Had to get something on it. And as you say... Probably nine times out of ten, he gets you know he gets there a split second earlier, or you know gets a better connection or whatever, and it's you know it's a great piece of defending, but just very unlucky. You know the cross came in too easily, and I, I must admit, was it Jacob Murphy or Josh Murphy who put the cross in? I can't quite remember. One of them plays for Newcastle, so it definitely wasn't one of them. But um, <laughs> it was you know as I say, the mistake could be made, and it was a little bit too easy, but. To be honest, we, we knew what to expect, right? Mick McCarthy side, Cardiff were already a fairly direct team before he went in there, having had Neil Harris previously. Everything that Jordan um, said previously is is absolutely on the money and, and, and they lived up to that kind of billing, didn't they? But I don't think it was until right near the end that Daniel Backman actually had a, you know, a save to make. And I thought, all things considered, I tweeted this, you know, he's one maybe blot on his copybook is his sort of judgment when coming to claim across and how kind of, 
confident he is, but given the barrage of balls into the penalty area and the wind as well, which was very evident, I thought he did a pretty good job of, of, of dealing with everything that was quite literally launched at him. Mm. There was that one moment, wasn't there, where he came, had to come out of his box and it was kind of a two oh, yeah, apart from one that. teammate, which is very difficult. It was kind of unfortunate because it was kind of falling at that spot right on the edge of the box where it was kind yeah. of, it was, it was in between whether you're going to be able to get a hand in it or not. And once he took that, once he won the first kind of, once he won the first ball, he kind of didn't really have enough time to swing through and actually clear. So he tried to take an extra touch, and it was it was quite unfortunate. But I actually thought that was um, I thought that was actually more of a mistake from from Truce to Kong and Syriata there. I think that's got to be something that they're dealing with. I know obviously Backman's making a decision to come out, but I think he kind of was forced into that by the fact that uh, that Syriata and Truce to Kong kind of were a little bit out of position for for that for that ball or at least one of them were um, in the sense that there was no one kind of just dropping off a little bit and, and being able to kind of sweep up that space in behind so that was a bit of a mistake but apart from that I think he was he was pretty decent again yeah I've actually been pretty impressive back when sweeping abilities but um, yeah you say they're like uh, he, he won the first ball but then uh, wasn't able to to win the second and he did foul his man in the process uh, obviously um, still retaining his, his number one shirt um, despite the fact that Foster has now regained full fitness or at least fitness enough to be on the bench um right decision guys i think i think so i think it has to be it has to be kind of for me i, I think there's nothing really to to warrant the change at the moment um we've done pretty pretty well in terms of our our goalkeeping since foster's been out and i don't really kind of feel too motivated to switch things up as they are I'm feeling quite good in it what about you tom i'm i'm wobbling a little bit on this now i I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think he's been very good. And even, you know, the the little, um, the couple of bits that you can point to, as you say, yesterday, the, the way he comes charging out, that's a decision that he's forced into by indecision in front of him. The Derby game, you know, we, we talked at length about their set pieces being exceptional, really, and the, the pressure that put him under. But, you know, he's not he's not made an error contributing to a goal, as far as I can recall. That, by all means, shout up if you're wrong. However, I just wonder if because of kind of what is riding on these uh you know these these final 10 games now if foster is 100 percent fit and raring to go it's a bit harsh and i you know obviously the other week i said keep andre graham because he scored even though joao pedro is going to be available again i wouldn't necessarily apply the same logic to the goalkeeping situation i just wonder if foster's experience and now to see us through is important but I, that's not to say I'd be unhappy if Backman now holds on to the number one shirt for the rest of the season. It feels kind of, it feels like you kind of don't want to, I think when you see how how the players reacted yesterday and the kind of spirit they're in, you can see there's a, a togetherness there and there's, you know, the motivation to kind of push on. I feel like, is it disruptive to to change is it disruptive to take out a player that's kind of fought his way into the team and kind of like earned that spot? I know I think it's obviously a very good argument that Foster's the better keeper than, than Dan Backman, but I think that gap is closing as time's gone on. And I think if you're kind of weighing up the the gains, the pros and cons from from doing so, I do wonder if that plays into making it a harder decision, especially when when Foster is the way he is. I kind of get the impression that if he was number two, he would, he would kind of accept that and, and carry on with the same attitude. So I think there's maybe just that other added element. Um, but I think that debate in terms of who's, who's, who should be playing will kind of go on now to the end of the season. Mm. I mean, Backman definitely is the future, isn't he? But um, like you say there, Tom, Foster has the experience and sometimes that's exactly what you need to get you over the line. So it's going to be interesting to see what 
Munoz does going forward, I mean, we we could potentially say that maybe Foster's not 100% yet because, you know, he, he has been restored to the bench, but you can be you can be on the bench not being 100%. I think Troy Deeney's proved yeah. that in the past. So, you know. That's it. I, I wonder how ready he is, is the only thing. That's, you know, obviously, Rob Elliott is an experienced goalkeeper, so... If it was Adam Parks on the bench, I think you might rush Foster back by a week or two, right? But you've got Rob Elliott and he's an experienced keeper, knows what he's doing, etc. Presumably 100% fit and raring to go. So the fact that Foster's back, I suspect it means he probably is fully ready. But as you rightly say, and it's more with a keeper than any other position probably, you can just about get away with it. And we obviously know that Foster was playing with his fingers strapped together at one stage, mm. don't we? Yeah. Uh, the offending finger. So... Yeah, I, I, there's there's no reason to rush it, but that would be the sort of internal dilemma I'd be having if I was Munoz. Going back to the game then, and uh, Watford have just conceded, and uh, everyone is probably thinking, oh no, that's exactly what we don't want to happen, um, especially seeing as you know Swansea have beaten Luton, and and you know we were kind of hoping Luton would do us a favour there, so we know how important it is that we need to to win this game. But then moments later, uh, Nathaniel Chalba goes up the other end. Lovely bit of trickery, Jordan, and then smashes it in the bottom corner. It was, yeah, it was a fantastic goal. And I think also noting what he did the other end just before that, we kind of managed to chase down Murphy and then stop and stop a really good opportunity from, from Cardiff. And then, yeah, as you say, he comes up to the, the attacking side of the pitch and he has some excellent footwork and he manages to find that space. And I think it's, I think Chalba, when he's playing with that freedom, it's when he's playing at ease, he kind of looks like such a different player. And I think yesterday we kind of saw that. I'm not sure if, you know, kind of the trust that the, the coaches had in him and the last two coaches really have both put some trust in him. They, they've made sure that he's a pretty key member of the starting team. And I think maybe that's kind of coming to fruition now. He's kind of getting that that positive energy he's coming from that. And he had the captaincy and it just seemed to be working for him yesterday. Um, and once he got into that space, you know, I think in previous games or earlier in the season, you might have seen him, you know, maybe turn back and then drop the ball off back to Hughes or try and play it out wide. But the fact that he had the the, the ability and, and, you know, the, the actual thought to, <clears throat> excuse me, the thought to kind of take that ball and take the touch inside again and, and have the shot, it just shows that he's kind of, Coming on, coming on a little bit and improving in areas that we want him to because, you know, he's been very good defensively and off the ball, but it's kind of in those forward areas on the ball, we've kind of not really seen the most of him, but that is definitely an example of what he can do um, when he's kind of playing at the right the right level. Yeah. Was you impressed by Chalaba, Tom? Yeah, I really was. And I've been critical of him, you know, throughout this season, throughout, you know, quite frankly, right back to the, the return from injury. It's always felt like there's just more to come and he's never, you know, he's been very unlucky because midfield was a position of strength, even when we had to obviously Decore and Kapue in there. And, you know, he was kind of, and Hughes as well, he was kind of the odd man out, um, despite being a very good player on paper. But this year, he's finally got that run in the side, hasn't he? And it's not always looked right. Sometimes it's been a bit rusty. And I think the possession, you know, the use of the ball is the thing we've all sort of picked up on at times. And Watford Twitter has certainly picked up on. But I thought yesterday he just had a little bit of, almost like swagger about him. You know, he was, I think the captaincy probably was part of it. The getting the goal as quickly as he did after falling behind him, you know, what a lovely goal it was. Great bit of footwork to, to work the space, to shoot from there. And I think it would have been a very different game had we not equalised as quickly as we did against a team like Cardiff. And I thought just generally the, the balance of the midfield was quite nice with, you know, I thought with, with Hughes is the deepest there of the three. So that sort of takes that onus off Chalabar and then you've got Zinkanago doing what he does, which takes the kind of onus off of him to 
really uh, you know play further forward and create, and he could he could just do what he he needed to do and and what he's good at, which he did, and you know more of that, please, because that was a really really strong performance from him. Was that his best game for us this season? Would you say? Oh, for me, I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. No. Yeah, I think that was probably his best for me this season, at least. Quite well rounded, wasn't it? He was he was good, kind of on and off the ball, mm. deeper parts of the pitch, forward areas. I thought he, I thought That's as it. I said earlier, he just looked more, he just looks more at ease. And I think Chalaba has to play like that to be to be at his best. I think he has to play with a a casualness to him that he's kind of. He, I think when I think when we see start see issues of Chabra, it's when he's trying he's trying to overthinking a little bit too much, or he's 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 trying too hard not to you know not to misplace that pass, or he's being a little bit more conservative, and you kind of see him be limited in possession, and when he does try and pass forward, it often looks quite forced. I think yesterday when he's kind of playing, it looks like he's enjoying himself, he looks relaxed, and he's willing to try these things, and he's he's not he's not a high energy intense player that kind of plays at like a, a very high speed. He's not that sort of. A, sort of player but when he's calm and he kind of you know takes his time and just plays with that that flow he looks so much better I think yesterday was was a good example of how how much um how much more effective he can be in that final third when he's kind of playing in that way you both touched on the fact that he was given the, the captain's armband and I thought that was quite interesting because Hughes uh played as well in that game and uh I, I was kind of expecting him to be to be given the captaincy just because he'd been given it before it's quite a strange one, wasn't it? It seemed, yeah, I, I did think the same thing. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, um, exactly what was going on there, but yeah, I mean, if the coach feels that he's he's kind of able to have that influence on the team, and I mean, also too, maybe he feels like he's a player whose levels are raised by the captaincy more than than Will Hughes. I'm, I'm not sure, um, but I think Will Hughes probably, I think both of them players probably, you know, handle themselves in this in a similar way, regardless of the captaincy. But maybe you get a little bit more out of Chalaba when he when he has it and. I don't know. It's hard to tell. He's not someone that you necessarily automatically think of when you're talking about captains in the team, um, from what we see. But you know, maybe he's a bigger influence in the in the change room than we we kind of realise. If you had to pick a captain, Tom, uh, who would you who would you choose from from the starting eleven yesterday? It's tricky. I was looking it up beforehand. He has been captain before in the home game against Derby, but that by the looks of it was the only time this season. I kind of wasn't surprised because it felt like Hughes. Being captain was probably a one-off. Chalabar seems like the more senior player, has kind of been around as long and has a bit more association with the club by that loan spell. But to be honest with you, I, I I don't know. I would be happy with either of those being captain. I think obviously Dan Batman, despite being very inexperienced in the team, is clearly very vocal. You can always hear him on the telly, can't you? Um, and, and that's been commented on. So he's a you know a leader and a shouter. Uh, ben Foster, when he's in the team, is clearly a leader and a shouter. Trooster Kong seems to be as well. You know, and I think I think that it points to a wider thing that I think we actually got a few people that have that have stepped up this season yeah. one way or another. And I'm sure there's guys that I'm forgetting. Tom Cleverley, uh, Tom Cleverley, yeah. of course. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I mean he's the very embodiment of a captain, isn't he, Tom Cleverley? Um, and, and he's he's you know that he's come in and, and done it and. You know, Troy Deeney is obviously an excellent leader. Like, that's one thing you just cannot question about the man is his leadership uh, qualities and, and his captaincy. But the fact that he's been missing for large chunks of the season and it's almost been not a major issue, there's not been a leadership void left behind is, is a good thing. And I don't know if that would necessarily have been the case in previous seasons. We've got a bit more character to the squad. It feels like to me. Um, I think and I think you kind of see that a little bit more when you're when you're fighting in these positions, and it, and it takes that. And 
I think you can kind of see it with um, some of the performances on the pitch. There's less hiding within themselves. I think overall we kind of look more of a collective, and I think that does that does show when you have a almost a stronger kind of depth of character in the team. After Watford got that equaliser, uh, they they continued working hard, and um, Pedro tried an overhead kick that he, he got on target, and uh, of course Pedro was in the first eleven ahead of Gray. And um, do, do you guys feel that was the the right decision, given that um, maybe Gray hasn't been able to? build on, on, on the good performance that he put in a few a few games ago? I was all for keeping Gray in after his goals, obviously, in the in the Wickham game. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, the message it kind of would have sent to then drop him after that seemed a bit harsh, but he wasn't so good in the, the subsequent win over Forest that he demanded to keep his place. And I thought Pedro came in yesterday and gave a really, you know, perfect reminder of why he is a better player than Andre Gray all round, you know, in a, in a difficult game where space was limited and, you know, most of the time they had five back, they had six back, seven back at times, didn't they, Cardiff? It was big, strong, three central defenders there. You know, you can't get much more championship central defence than, you know, Sean Morrison and I can't think of the other centre-half. Aiden Flint. Two centre-halves now. Well, thank you, Aiden Flint, exactly. My mind gone a blank, you know, so... But I thought he, he he was bright and he tried to make things happen. Obviously, the, the the bicycle kick that he essentially set up for himself was impressive. And there were a number of occasions where he was just dropping into really nice pockets of space and wanting to get on the ball or getting on the ball and, and, and making something happen. So I, I thought in a tough game, it was a really good performance and he more than vindicated his inclusion. Jordan? Yeah, I think same same really. I think he... he... He just adds a little bit more in that in that team. I think against Cardiff too, you kind of they're going to be quite deep, and there's not going to be tons of space for someone like Andre Gray to operate. And I think Jao Pedro had been able to drop into that into that midfield area, which he did a lot yesterday, and, and pick up the ball and help bring others into play. I think it's it's key really, and I think it will be key in a lot of games. I think Andre, you can you can use him in certain certain circumstances, but I think for for yesterday, I think that was kind of the the best fit really was to re- go with Pedro again and and give us a different option. I, I thought Cardiff yesterday, I thought were pretty, I thought they were pretty poor in general for me. I, I think as we discussed kind of going into the game, we kind of thought they'd be playing in that manner and they didn't really offer too much to the other end. So I think getting that striker choice right for us was the most important thing because we had to try and find a way to break them down. And he was pretty unlucky with the overhead kick. It could have easily uh, easily gone in and it would have been obviously a great goal. But I think his, his movement in that, in that midfield area is definitely important for us. Yeah, in the second half, Watford's plenty of chances and, and you know, each one just got closer and closer, but it felt like it wasn't going to come. It felt like it wasn't going to come. And then Saar, um, you know, broke in towards, uh, towards the penalty box. He was taken down. Uh, a free kick was awarded. Everyone's thinking, oh, well, we, we don't really score free kicks. Is anything going to happen from this? Up steps Adam Messina to prove everyone wrong. Probably not the best free kick in the world, let's be honest. But, you know, it went in and the celebrations, guys, after after it went in, such a joy to watch. What Jordan was saying earlier about the character of this team, and I think there's been moments this season where that's been increasingly apparent. And yesterday's celebrations, I mean, you know, find me a team that doesn't score, doesn't celebrate wildly off scoring a 94th minute winner. But, you know, it's not, there's definitely been a case in the past where we have felt detached from this team and it's felt like this team maybe doesn't feel it as much as we do. But just in recent weeks, you know, and it's been obviously said in, and it might be a placebo effect, but, you know, Adam Leventar said, you know, they've been trying to be more positive with each other, haven't they? They've had a bit of a clear the air meeting and what have you after the Coventry aberration. 
and you know the scenes and then the stuff that the club posted um you know them all sort of whooping and cheering as they're coming back in to the dressing room down the tunnel you know it was fantastic to see and then even you know even i love this that they they just wanted to have a fight basically at the end didn't they they just wanted to you know have a bit of a tear up and you know it's the second time in a few weeks after the bournemouth game you know that Jao Pedro um, sending off, I didn't even mind that because I just, I just, I like the fact that he cares and he's bought in. It'd be very easy to think, you know, I'm above this. Barcelona and Man City and Liverpool wanted me a year, year and a half ago. What am I doing in the championships slogging it? But he, you know, and Ismail Asar, you know, they seem totally bought into it. And as I say, it might be a placebo effect. It might be the little bits that we hear dripped out from via Adam Leventide. It might be the little bits that the club posts on social media and I'm kind of falling for it hook, line, sinker. But it just it just feels that way. And yesterday was that again. And, you know, the these campaigns that are successful always have that moment, don't they, where you just start to believe a bit more and you look back on it and you go, that was really pivotal. And if I can take it back to the um, the first Zola season, so 12-13, we'd had a bit of a iffy start, you know, obviously trying to integrate loads of players and what have you. And ultimately, it wasn't a promotion-winning campaign, but it was a successful campaign given everything. And that Charlton away game, I think that the winner in that game was possibly quite late as well. We were certainly down to 10 men, weren't we? Because Forestieri got sent off. And, you know, away from home, Tuesday night, and it just... It just felt like a moment that kick-started the season and, and laid the platform for everything that followed. And obviously, it's late in the season now, but if we go up, I think we will look back on that win and that Messina free kick as being absolutely, you know, pivotal. Was that Charlton game a free kick when the two or not? I feel like it was, wasn't it? Was it Alman Abdi? Was it Alman Abdi? Yeah, I feel like it was. <laughs> yeah. Was that a different... Yeah. So I- I don't know if I'm drawing a parallel because I think they were both free kicks or not, but do you know what I mean? And even like yeah. the um, the promotion season, Fulham away, I was at that and, you know, that just, Slavid had a few, again, iffy results prior to that and you just thought, oh, I wonder if they're going to be getting a bit twitchy and then we smashed them 5-0 playing some beautiful stuff on the Friday night and it just, you know, it just, it catapulted us forward um, and I, I think the Cardiff result could be could have a similar effect. I certainly hope I'm right because I'm going to look very stupid if we fall flat on our faces now. It was a free kick, yeah. It was a free. It was kick. a free kick, yeah. Abdi. Oh, okay. I, I think those comments are fair. Though. I think um, I think too. You might obviously the squad themselves might have they're going to have an idea of what the feeling is in in the dressing room and kind of how how they're approaching the rest of this season. But I think as fans, especially when you're not able to be at games, it's nice to see that kind of that kind of outpour of emotion and, and you can see the passion in the players and you go back and watch them them scenes at the end or or the reaction to the goal um, uh, when Masna scored and you can you can go back and watch it and look at any player that's kind of on the pitch at that point and they all have a different reaction they're all you know they're all along the same lines though they're all extremely like passionate and, you, and it's good to see you know that they're they're in this game. They're in this season for you know the right reasons with the rest of the team, and you can feel quite positive about that. And I think you know even the, the videos that Watford posted after the final whistle when they're kind of going down the tunnel, and it means a lot to them, obviously, and it should because I think in previous in previous seasons probably something you could criticise in in big moments was we didn't see any we didn't see any kind of outward emotion at times, whether it's the relegation season or maybe kind of when we're fighting for them Europa places. There was no real kind of 
edge to it. But it feels like this season there's a little bit more to that. And I think that's that's kind of one of the maybe one of the turnarounds or one of the changes that's kind of gone a little bit un, under the radar in terms of reshaping the squad and and sort you know deciding on the head coach. I think it has brought a different mentality to the squad. And if you're trying to fight for promotion, then obviously we all know mentality plays a huge part in that. It's not just about the ability on the pitch. I think we all felt quite good about the ability on the pitch in terms of the the squad and the starting eleven we can put out. But that kind of final piece for us is making sure that we can we can adjust that mentality, which at points over the last five seven years has looked fragile at times. Despite the fact that we you know we achieved some good things, um, but I think right now we can feel quite quite positive about about where we are. And the first free kick scored in in, in five years. It's, the voodoo's gone. The voodoo's gone, guys. It has. Yeah, it's what, what a relief. Um, I, I still I don't feel particularly more confident the next one's going to be any sooner um, as things currently are. Um, but no, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've in that situation when he, before he took the free kick, I was kind of hoping if he just kind of if he went for like a cross shot hybrid where he was just trying to hit the ball as hard as he could into that space between the goal and the and the and the line of players. You thought there's something like maybe it'll slip in bottom corner, maybe someone will get a touch in it. But the fact that it just went so down the middle and it was just it's was, it was a bizarre goal, really, wasn't it? It was just a, an odd thing to see on on camera. Yeah, Tommy Mooney saying in commentary that he he had no idea how it went in. He was just pleased that it did. I think everyone had that same kind of reaction, didn't they? I was honestly, I was about to do something. I think maybe something was in the oven or something like that. I needed to go and do it. And I was like, oh, right, okay, yeah, all right. Adam has seen a free kick last minute. This is either going straight into the wall or, or Rose Ed. I'm going to go and do what it is I need to do. But I stayed put and I couldn't believe it. And to be honest, expecting him to just to sort of dink a little one in. and um, Or I was thinking, you know, you just need to dink a little one in here and hope that someone gets, gets up and, and meets it. But... Yeah, I don't think we've discovered a, a new free kick taker necessarily, but it's just, you know, finding different ways to win games, finding ways and uh, adversity and, you know, from different sources, it all it all it points in the right direction. And that team spirit that you've both uh, highlighted is exactly what the team need to get over the line. And, you know, it's, it's going to be important because everyone around Watford are grinding out the wins as well. You know, Swansea managed to beat Luton. Norwich are playing uh, currently and we expect them to win. I think Norwich probably are, are gone anyway, aren't they? They're, they're far too ahead. But, uh, you know, Reading are trying their best. They picked up a draw. Brentford still to play with games in hand. It, it's going to be tough and we just need to keep that team spirit because that, is the sort of thing that you need to 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 get you through games, like you said there, Tom and Jordan. What what, what did you think there? I do think I do think another important aspect to it as well is it's not just about finding a way to win. It's it's we've seen it under Gracia too. We had we had a kind of a phase. We had some good late winners and Andre Gray kind of was involved in that quite heavily in, in that season. I, I think one of the big things, one of the big changes that really brings is that it gives you that that belief in the team that you can you can push until that last minute and there's always a chance. It kind of creates a habit of, of being able to win games. And you, you see it in, you know, teams across the league. I know it's from penalties, but you've seen it with Swansea in, in recent games. And we've seen it, as I said, with ourselves at, at previous times too. And I think it's frustrating sometimes that that's not just a constant in players' mind, but it's just the way it works. And it does it does create something when you kind of feel like, when you kind of feel like it's, uh, 
almost creates a narrative for the players that they feel that there's going to there's something's going to happen in those last few minutes they can make something happen they kind of believe in themselves and it gives them that extra boost and little things like that in a, in a league that we've talked about so much is such fine margins you see that that playoff that kind of playoff area in the, in the top top two or teams fighting for that second spot it's so close and if you can give yourself any edge at all and this is not a small edge it's a, it's a pretty big one too but if you can just add that little extra it's a, it can be the difference between automatics and playoffs and I think it's vital and you know if you could if you could decide how to win yesterday and look at the benefits that have come from it I'd say a victory like that is probably up there for being the most positive you can really hope for. Watford now travel to Rotherham uh, a team who find themselves in the relegation zone and they haven't played either since the 3rd of March due to a case of COVID in the camp. Hard to call really if um if if this game is harder than the Cardiff one, because obviously teams that are in that zone, they are fighting for their lives to, to, to stay in the championship. And I suppose they'll be a little bit rested as well because they've had that time to, you know, to, to, to train. But then Watford have got the, you know, the, the more recent joy from from the winning and, and the match fitness. It's going to be an interesting game, this one, guys. Uh, Tom, what's your opinion going into this one? Yeah. It's, it's done us a favour in a weird way, hasn't it? Their um, their COVID outbreak because they'd actually won their last game, hadn't they? Before mm. playing, beating Sheffield, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, who were right down there, and that had arrested a slump of, of five defeats in a row. Um, so you know, build after this cliche, isn't it? But after a win, you want to go, you know, go again and, and get that get that win. So the fact they want to play for two weeks, yes, they'll have obviously had a break. How many players would have been available to Paul Warren? You know, how much training? they will actually have been able to do is is another matter altogether. But, you know, they're going to be tough, I imagine. I'm assuming they're going to be fairly limited in their ambition as teams are when, you know, we go and, and play these these struggling teams. And it's probably not going to be completely dissimilar um, to, to the Cardiff game in a lot of way. You know, they, they don't score, they don't score masses, but they're not one of the worst either in that respect they've got one of the leakier defenses but you know they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be playing for a point from from the word go I would have thought in recent weeks too I think well I say recent weeks than the recent games they've actually not been when they have lost games it's not been by a huge margin either really it's been one maybe two goals it's been pretty close to them so they've kind of maybe made a little bit of an improvement in that area so it's not necessarily going to be one that we can just you know comfortably go there and, and pull around and, and break down you know from the off it might be one that as, as you say is similar similar to the Cardiff game in the sense you've got to kind of you've got to grind them down you've got to find a way to, to kind of work them you, they're not going to give you the space you've got to be a little bit a little bit smarter and a little bit more patient and I think hopefully we kind of go into this one with with that kind of rejuvenated energy that we, we would hope we'd see and we can be a little bit more proactive from the off, um, hopefully get things done a little bit earlier than uh, than the previous game against Cardiff. So it was going to be an interesting one. Um, but, you know, you know exactly what it's like, especially in the championship. You, you kind of get a big win and it's, you know, it's not un, it's not impossible at all that you go into your next game when you're kind of heavily favourites and you, you slip up and you lose the game. So we have to be switched on. But if we win that game and we kind of keep that pressure up, that's all we can do. And it can it can make a huge difference, obviously. Mm. Quite a direct side as well. You know, they're one of the better teams in terms of actually completing their long passes. And you look at their forwards, Michael Smith is 6'3", Freddie Ladapo is 6'2", George Hurst is 6'3". Carver Sell's only six foot, but he's not a, a small six foot, if that makes sense either. He's quite a quite a, uh, a well-built chap. You know, there's there's going to be no secret about what they're going to be uh, going to be trying to do to us. So 
we've got to be ready, I think, for that that physical battle at, at both ends of the field. The home game between the two sides was a was a Tuesday night victory for Watford, a 2-0 win with Cabaselli and Dini scoring. Interestingly, not a Dini penalty. It was a, a Dini open play goal. Um, but a completely different side, really, the one that, that faced Rotherham last time compared to the one that we've got this, this time. Yeah, I have to say, I, I didn't... Honestly, I couldn't recall a game that Dini and Pritchard started together, but that's that's the one, I guess, mm. um, which is quite interesting, which seems that, I mean, that's a long time ago that Pritchard started. Is that his last start for us? Oh, not Could sure. very well be. He's only made two Just, starts, I think, hasn't he? Something like that, so okay. not many. Bournemouth and Bournemouth and Rotherham, maybe then. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, I that's mean, it. that's it's an interesting one to look at. Yeah, four four two. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be some changes, and I think I think we're at such a better place now as a team. I think the way we play, it's just it's a vast improvement for me. Um, I feel far more positive in 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 a sense, and in terms of how we're going to operate as a, as a unit. And I think that win, I'm trying to remember back to it now. I, I don't think it was the prettiest of victories itself. I think it took a while to kind of grind them down. We weren't we weren't playing the most dynamic football at the time were we so I think right now I'd feel more positive but again it's not going to be easy especially away from home it's going to be it's going to be quite a tough one and someone that came on in that game albeit for a couple of minutes at the end was Domingos Quina uh, now playing on loan at Granada and uh, recently he, uh, he gave an exclusive interview to a friend of the show Ryan Gray where he kind of laid out his feelings towards leaving Watford for his loan move uh, Tom what did we learn about that? That's a seamless segue, Matt. Excellent link. Well done. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good interview, actually, wasn't it? It was It was really interesting to to read, you know, some pretty candid thoughts from him. We'd, we'd speculated at a time, I remember it clearly, I said, I wonder if it's a case of him pushing to go more than the club wanting him to go. Well, I got that totally wrong, didn't I? My reading between the lines was was completely misguided because it was the club pushing him and, and he wanted to stay, which I found found really quite interesting. And it's, it's one of those situations where even at the time it seemed uh, slightly or slightly misguided letting him out alone because we always knew that the central midfield wasn't our our strongest point. And we were playing, you know, we were only playing sort of two out and out central midfielders at that point. It was the 4-4-2. Obviously it's been exacerbated by the switch to 4-3-3 and the fact that we knew Chalabar was walking a suspension tightrope and you just you just think he would be a useful he's totally different I think it's fair to say to any of our other central midfielders and he would be you know a really useful player to have and I dare say he would have played quite a bit of football um in in the last few weeks as well Uh, the other interesting thing of course was that he was you know sort of saying he wanted to play in his actual position which he felt was a number eight and and not as a winger and it's it's uh, quite often the case that the that players get sort of pushed out wide isn't it when you know they're not entrusted in the centre but I think in the the games I've seen him play in the centre midfield I've always thought you know he is more than capable he just needed a run in the team and I really thought he was going to get that this season so it, it the whole thing is just a little bit of a shame but the main thing I guess is that he's at least playing and seemingly doing quite well on loan at Granada. Yeah he's proving to everyone that he, that he can play there isn't he and um, scoring goals too Jordan. Yeah, he's doing exactly what we kind of expect him to do at Granada. In a sense, he's he's playing a team that gives him the gives him the room to to operate, and he, he's actually played from the left a bit at Granada too. So he's not still not playing necessarily in his his favourite position. But yeah, I mean, for me, I think I've been pretty clear on how I felt about this deal, and I definitely respect anyone's argument for 
not being too bothered about him going. I know he didn't have the best of seasons, but that's the, the spells that he had on the pitch. But it's just a deal for me that I just don't feel good in it. I, I think he would have been able to contribute and especially with the injuries we've had in midfield, I just think he's someone that could have offered something. So I hope to see him back in the Watford shirt next season. Um, it's a shame that it's it's kind of gone the way it has this year. I think going into going into the season, in pre-season, it felt like he was quite central to to a lot of what was, was going well for us, especially in those pre-season games. The one against Tottenham, he, he looked like a real focal point um, for that Ivic side. So it's a shame that it's kind of got to this point, but I'm hoping that his Watford career is definitely you know, not over and that we can find a way to, to use him in the future. Mm. From that interview, Tom, did you feel like um, you know, he, he, he definitely wants to come back and, and try and find his way back into the team again and, and you know, his, his journey with Watford isn't over yet? Yeah, I think so. It certainly wasn't a case of kind of shooting from the hip and being quite um, you know, down on the club. He was He was respectful in what he was saying. He wasn't... You know, it wasn't a case of just whinge, whinge, whinge. It was, you know, I think it would have been very easy to have either said nothing or just, um, you know, sort of kind of platitudes and, 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 you know, cliches and whatnot about wanting to do a job for the team. But I think I get the impression he wants to do a, he wants to play for us and he, he wants to play in the central midfield. And it's, as Jordan said, it's, it's a shame because one of the things you kind of console yourself with after relegation is, well, at least, you know, some of the younger lads who maybe haven't had an opportunity to have a run in the team in the Premier League, namely him and Ben Wilmot are going to get a go. And obviously, you know, to some extent it's worked out for Wilmot, but it it hasn't worked out for him. I I wouldn't be surprised, however, if our, if we were to get promoted, if and there's an offer there, that the, the club take it because, you know, ultimately the, the model is, is trading players, isn't it? And he cost us as we know famously, very, very little when he came, sort of was booted out by West Ham and was trying to find a club on deadline day. So it wouldn't take much for us to turn a nice little profit on him. And if he's not been involved for the last, you know, by that point, it'll have been sort of five or six months. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we we sold him if there was interest. But, you know, a lot, a lot of football to be played a, a, a long way off before any decision has to be made, I guess. Well, I guess we do have to make a decision in, in the summer. Though. His contract's up in 2022. Um, so, he, you know, if he's going into the final year of his deal, I think they'll probably be pretty motivated to to find a resolution to the situation, whether it's an extension and kind of looking at keeping him or even if it's an extension to kind of maybe kind of be a little bit safer with that asset and give you that insurance uh, when it comes into, you know, later st- stages of the window. If you don't want to kind of get rid of him, you want to k- keep him along and you know you've got that asset there in the future, you can maybe sell on or or not. But I think the important thing is knowing that when we get to that summertime, he's going to be he's gonna be one that we've got to be looking at, at what we're going to do with him long term. And on the subject of contracts, Jordan, we talked about this in the last pod and uh, a few things have come to light since then. Do you want to round up uh, what we know from... Uh some of the things we spoke about last time yeah so I think it seems that Cavaselli's deal was extended um, also seems that Kika Femenia signed a, a, a contract last season too um, is there something else I'm missing here Matt no I think those are, I think those are the ones um, uh, Was were we looking at Will Hughes I don't think he has signed something right nothing's nothing's happened with Will Hughes no it's just um, I think it's just those there was a couple that were unclear um, because there were never any official announcements by the club there was reports that were made that there's been contracts signed um, cleverly signed nothing one, was, didn't he, I think yeah there wasn't yeah there's talking extension with cleverly which sounds like that happened 
Um, so those three players, it sounds like, are definitely extended, which is good. I think the one we were mainly concerned about was Femenia. Um, so that's good to know. Um, I think also, too, there was, again, there have been reports, nothing confirmed by the club, but there are reports that Ken Semmer signed the contract extension yesterday or the day before there were reports saying that. That's right. Um, maybe not quite as official sources. I'm not sure really on that. Well, I'm pretty sure they're not quite as official, but um, that looks like one that could be could be being... Uh, completed in in the coming days and be I think that one would be nice to see actually announced by the club I think I'd like to have the club actually kind of announce these things publicly I'm not really sure the motivation not to um, I think it's good good for fans to kind of be aware of what the situation is with the squad um, but yeah if Ken Semmer's tied down to a longer contract then yeah that's great um, another positive move we've certainly deserved it hasn't he he's been great this season I think so yeah Okay, well, good stuff. Uh, My thanks again to Jordan and Tom for joining me this afternoon. You can find those guys on Twitter, as always, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Burdell. And also give us a follow as well, at Watford Pod. And please do leave us a review on iTunes as well. Um, I know I've asked in the past, but it really doesn't take a a moment to to leave a quick review, tell us how we're doing. And uh, it really helps in the stats to to make sure that more Watford fans can can start listening and, and contributing. So thanks again for doing that in advance. Uh, some people that have already done that, and big thanks to them, Hornet fan 77 Brad has won, didn't like this game's L. <laughs> um, that's a weird... So thank you, thank, thank you very much for your, for your review. Uh, strange name, but I, I love it. I love it, it's good. Uh, and also Nascot Hornet, thank you very much as well. Um, great reviews, all five stars. Thank you once again. Oh, that guy's name... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you're gonna have to do that again. <laughs> Didn't like this game's L. I don't. I'm not quite sure how I, how I got into some sort of Spanish accent with that. <laughs> Does he just have no vowels in his username? Or what? I don't know. Uh, it's very odd. Uh, he can't spell don't um, or this. Just call me off guard. Whatever. I'm not sure what L means. There we go. Um, but thank you. Yes, uh, we 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 love we love getting reviews. Um, it really does help the stats, and um, it makes us feel good as well because it makes us think. Uh, you know what? We we're, we're not just wasting an hour every every week <laughs> chatting rubbish about Watford. Um, we you know it's actually helping people and, and making people you know maybe I don't know. It gives them a chance to get away from the covid world that we're living in for an hour and and you know just enjoy listening to some watford chat so uh thanks again um we'll be back to to chat some more um hopefully less rubbish and more positive stuff uh i get off the rotherham game uh if indeed it is on because obviously covid could call it off i think it's going to be on though because they've, they've had two weeks now haven't they rotherham so uh, as long as they pass all of their various um checks that should be fine uh 7 p.m kick off that one so do enjoy the rest of your weekend and from jordan tom and myself it's goodbye for now
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 